0: Dear God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for this opportunity to study it together. Will you teach us this morning what it means and what it means for our lives? Amen. So through the months of uh, September and October, we are going to resume our study of uh, John's gospel. Um, If you're visiting us this morning, in the early summer months, we looked at chapters uh, one to four, where the uh, main focus of the gospel is on answering the question, who is this man, Jesus? We saw together that he is the messianic king promised in the Old Testament, sent by God to give eternal life to those who believe in him. is also the Lamb of God who must die for the sins of the world. And finally, he is the one in whose words we are to trust. Now, over the next few weeks, as we move on to chapters 6, 7, and 8, we will discover different people's response to this question of who Jesus is, the response of his disciples, the response of the gathered crowds, the response of the religious elite of the time. And together, as we learn about those responses to Jesus and his teaching, we'll have a chance to reflect on our own response But here this morning, in John chapter 5, we have the bit of the gospel which is the bridge between the two sections. Between chapters 1 to 4 on Jesus' identity and 6 onwards on people's response. That's because this passage sets out Jesus' own teaching on who he is and on where he stands with respect to God. And this, of course, this teaching is fundamental to authentic Christian belief. We sang earlier on, Paul led us in singing about holy God who stands beyond our galaxy. God almighty, who is creator of the universe and Lord of heaven and earth. And in the passage which Janet just read to us, Jesus of Nazareth makes the claim that he is divine, that he is equal with that God. Now, if that is true, and if we believe that to be true then we really, really will take notice of what he says. If he's not, then our response to Jesus is, of course, altogether different. So the claim that the man, Jesus of Nazareth, is God is a distinctive claim of the Christian faith no other world religion or belief system makes any kind of similar claim and if that claim is true it changes everything so that passage that we read will frame our response over the next few weeks as it ref- as it framed the response of the different people who encountered jesus in chapter 6 and following. And our key verse for this morning came right at the beginning of where Janet was reading, in verses 17 and 18. Jesus answered them, that's the Jewish authorities, my father is working until now, and I am working. And this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath... But he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. The work of the father is the work of the son. The son is equal with the father. Jesus is equal with God. He is divine. Now, in the next section of the reading, in verses 19 through to about verse 30... Jesus explains three implications of this claim of equality with God. And each one of those three implications is introduced with the same phrase. And this is where our NIV translation does a bit of a disservice, because in the NIV, um, it's introduced with the phrase, I tell you the truth. Perhaps some of us will know better truly, truly, I say to you. Or even better still, in the King James, verily, verily, I say unto ye. This is real truth. Take notice. Not just this is another bit of truth. This is important truth, Jesus is saying, that I'm about to teach you. Three implications of the son being equal with the father. And they're there, after each of the truly-trulies, in verse 19 and 24 and 25. The first implication, verse 19, the Son limits his work in obedience to the Father. So the first implication of this equality is that the work of Jesus is defined by the purposes of God the Father and is carried out in obedience to God the Father. Let me say that again. The work of Jesus the Son is defined by the purposes of God and is carried out in obedience to God. So looking at it the other way around, the eternal purposes of God are fulfilled in the life and work of Jesus. Although the Son is fully divine, he works within limits, out of obedience, to complete those loving purposes of God. Second implication, verse 24... The Son and his words are the key to eternal life. So the work of Jesus is working out the divine and eternal purposes of God. And the purposes of God are to call a people to himself, to dwell with him in eternity. That's what God is about. God is... God does a lot of things. God has many purposes, but the chief purpose of God is to call a people to himself, to be with him forever. And the gateway to that eternal life, to passing from death to life, as the Bible puts it, to be evermore with God in heaven is Jesus and his words. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, We know that from all the way through our Bibles, God acts by speaking his word. Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And those who are regulars, if you remember back to last term, and the great point of John chapter 4 is that we are to take Jesus at his word. So now here in our passage, if Jesus has equality with God, the second implication is that Jesus' words are God's words. Jesus' words have the same force as God's words. The words that said, let there be light, and there was light. So Jesus says here that the key things are to hear his message, his word, the gospel, and to believe him who sent Jesus into the world. God's eternal purposes are now being worked out through Jesus' word. So, first implication, Jesus' equality with God means he works in obedience to the Father. Secondly, that his words carry the weight of the Father and are the key to eternal life. And the third implication is that this work of salvation is carried out to the Father's timetable, and now is the time. Jesus does God's eternal work. He does it through speaking his word, which has the same weight as God's word. But the time in which he did that is confined to a time in history, Jesus saying. God's timetable, and now is the time. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the time is coming and is now come, When the dead, that is those under divine judgment, will hear the voice of the Son and will live. So the work of God and the words of God are now centered on a particular time in human history. And that time is the earthly life of Jesus recorded in the gospel. The time has come. Jesus says, means that matters of eternal life have suddenly come into sharp focus. Which explains, really, why from here on in, in John's Gospel, we start to see opposition. In the second half of our passage this morning, as Janet read, Jesus starts to point to the beginnings of that opposition, he talks about how the witness of John the Baptist and how the, how the writings of Moses have really been misunderstood and mistreated by the people. That's the point of the, of the second half of what Janet was reading. But matters of God's eternal purpose can't be put off. For in the earthly ministry of Jesus... Now is the time. Um, uh, Gary left in May, and um, I know you know that, so you're looking at me like I'm mad. Um, Gary left in May, which means it's, it's at least May since we had a football analogy. <laughs> so, for old time's sake, let me give you a football analogy. Um, not as good as Gary's old football analogies. Um, It comes from from a radio show. There was a a kind of famous, if you were a Southampton fan, Southampton defender of the 1970s and 80s called Francis Bernali. And he he, um, played football in a time when red cards were not as common as they are now, so now you kind of, most football matches have a red card. But back in the 1970s, you could do all sorts of really nasty things to people and not get red carded. But Francis Badali was, um, uh, one of the more vicious defenders of the 1970s and 80s. And he played for Southampton. And because, you know, red cards were not that common, um, Southampton, probably like most football clubs, would have a, have a system of fines. So if you got a yellow card, you would be fined by the club. And if you got a red card, then you would be fined even more by the club. And if you got a second red card in a season, then you would, you know, you would, your fine would be more than your, your wages. And I don't know the season but I was I was listening to an interview with uh, Francis Benali on the radio and one season he got 3 red cards which was like you know the worst of the worst in football at the time and his fine from Southampton was so big that as a young professional footballer he couldn't afford it And what he did is he went to the chairman of Southampton Football Club and he worked out an agreement to pay his fine by standing order over the rest of the season. Now, I think that there's a sense in which some of us try and do the same with God. We know that we're not right with God. We know that God made us. We know that God loved us. We know that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. But actually, we're a bit like Francis Benali. and we go into God's office and we say, God, can we work something out? And if I'm good over the rest of my life, can we sort out what I've done. And Jesus says, No. Jesus says, No standing orders for the rest of your life. Jesus says, Now is the time. Now is the time to believe in the God who sent me and to take my words into your heart. And of course, the reason that Jesus says that is because unlike the chairman of Southampton Football Club, God has paid the fine himself on the cross. So there is no need to work out a monthly standing order with God, because the price has already been paid. But because the price has already been paid, because eternal life with God is possible, because of the eternal purposes of God can come true in each of our own hearts, now is the time. So in conclusion, Jesus is equal with God. This means that his work is defined in obedience to God's will. His words carry the weight of God's words. And his timing is the choice of God for his saving activity on earth. And now is that time. Let me leave you with one question as we weigh the implications of this for our own lives. Am I taking Jesus seriously enough? These are the claims of Jesus. Am I taking them seriously enough? Let's keep a moment of quiet while we just reflect on that in our own lives. And then in uh, a minute or two, um, we'll come and have uh, our prayers of intercession.